0: Does everybody remember the story from the end of last week? I'll retell it. I'll add a little flesh to it. And then I'll give you the resolution to the story. I steal the story in a, in a holy and righteous way. I actually borrow the story from a professor of mine from seminary. His name is Don Carson, or D.A. Carson by his uh, name on the books. And he tells a story of two men who he gives the name of Smith and Brown to. I don't know why he gives the name Smith and Brown, but it sticks in your head. These are two Jewish guys, Smith and Brown, right? And it's the night before the 10th plague. And God, through his servant Moses, has told the people to slaughter a lamb and paint the blood of the lamb on the doorposts and the lintels of their house. So they have gone and done this. And that night, the angel of death will come over the land. Well, Smith says to Brown, Brown, are you kind of, are you kind of scared? There's a lot of freaky stuff going on here over the past, you know, several weeks. And we got the weird stuff with the gnats and the flies and the cows and the and the boilers. It's, it's really crazy. Are you scared? And Brown says, I'm not scared. God told us through Moses what we're supposed to do. I slaughtered the lamb. I painted the blood. I'm going inside. What do I have to be afraid of? God spoke. I obeyed. Didn't you obey? He says, well, well, well of course I obeyed. I'm not an idiot, man. But listen, this is freaky. God's going to kill the firstborn throughout all the land, and that's scary stuff. I painted the blood, but man, I only got one boy. You got three? Come on. And he replies, bring it on, I trust in God. Well, that night, about midnight, the scriptures tell us the angel of death passed through the land. Smith and Brown, here's a question. Whose firstborn son was spared? Do you want the answer? You sure? You sure? Well, I'll tell you in about 35 minutes what the answer is. Today we're going to look at a sermon entitled, It Is Finished. You ever read the Gospel of John? And towards the end of John, as our Lord hangs upon the cross, he shouts this word that sometimes you'll go to a play and see, and then you hear people say, what does that mean? What does that mean? To Tetelestai! It is finished in front of me here we're going to partake of the remembrance in the lord's supper this is about easter did you know that this is about passover did you know that this is about tetelestai it is finished and we will see this in luke 22 and exodus 11 and 12 so go ahead and turn in your bibles to luke 22 last week as i was preparing this sermon i believe the lord interrupted me the nerve of him and made me look at the verses leading up to this and ruined my plan for preaching so god forgive us we're going to take communion not on the first sunday of the month i hope that's okay i trust it's okay with certainty i know it's okay because we're not called to take communion on the first of the month did you know that You can do it the first of the month, you can do it the fourth of the month, you can do it every week of the month, you can do it on Wednesday night. We're just called to do this in remembrance of Christ. Well, last week, we looked at the power of God over the powerful, the power of God over time, the power of God over the tiniest details, and we saw how great God is, and the marvelous comfort that these truths show to us. Well, today, we're going to go into the text of the Last Supper. And as we do, my hope is that we will see the gospel in a new and more full and more clear light as we're able to rejoice in the reality of what the Lord presents to us here. 22, 14. And when the hour came, what hour? That's the hour when you're to eat the Passover. Dark is set in. He reclined at table and the apostles with him and he, he being Jesus obviously, said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. That word earnestly means really, 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 really wanted to do this. So I earnestly desire to eat this with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is a new covenant in my blood. Now this is a time when, don't move, but when I invite you to come forward, you take the elements, you go sit back down, and in reality we really have no clue of the fullness of what we're doing, so we're going to stop there for a minute. What is going on? in the upper room, as the Lord is doing this. What is he doing, and what happened? Because what I just read to you is a massive, monumental, historic, historical event. What the Lord said is, Passover is done. Now there's a new meal. And for 1,300 years, the Jews, by the Lord's command, ate the Passover Seder and celebrated the Passover feast. And all of a sudden, in one fell swoop in an upper room with just 12 other guys, one of whom was going to betray him, the Lord says, it's over. We're not doing this. We're doing this. And this is what he instituted. In order to unpack this, we're going to time travel. But before we time travel, I hope you brought your time travel suits. Before we time travel, I want you to understand that what I read in about 60 seconds is not how long this meal took this is a long meal and i say that as a a jew who ate this meal a lot of years it is a long meal you get there before sunset and you sit down and it goes on and on and on and on and on 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 on. hours so what we have are highlights. Now I would venture the meal with the Lord was far more enticing and exciting and rejoiceful than what I was subject to. We had some add-ins. We had bacon, string bean, casserole. You can't be throwing that in the Seder, but we have people that like that in Turkey, so we mixed it in. I, I should have just said, I'm not coming. The highlight of the evening was we hid the matza, and whoever found the matzah got money. Right? One year the kids hit the matzah and I unscrewed vents and I duct taped it in there and screwed it on. No adult ever found it. To this day, in my Aunt Elsie's house, I bet that matzah is hanging inside the ductwork. They didn't hide a matzah with Jesus. They didn't eat turkey. And I guarantee there was no bacon, string bean, casserole. But what they did was they started with a prayer of thanks. And then they would drink the first of four cups. See us Jews, we like to drink No. They drank doubly diluted wine, four cups. They drank the first cup, then they washed their hands. You always thought you should wash your hands before you eat. Now it's a ceremonial cleansing. Cup of thanks, wash your hands, eat the bitter herbs. They begin to sing the Hallel. You know what the Hallel is? Psalms one thirteen to one eighteen. You ever hear the word Hallelujah? If you never heard that word, we got a problem. Yeah, Hallelujah comes from the Jewish, the Jewish word, the Hebrew word Hallel, which means praise. So when we sing Hallelujah. We're saying praise, right? Well, they would sing the first two, Psalm 113 and 114. They drink the second cup. Then they would have the Haggadah. The father or the head of the house would recite the Haggadah. It would start with the, a young child saying, why is this night different from all other nights? And they would go through the Haggadah. They would eat the lamb and the unleavened bread and the turkey, not the turkey. They'd drink the third cup of wine. They'd sing the rest of the Hallel They drink the fourth cup of wine, and the meal is done. Now look at verse 17. You see, he took a cup. That's a fourth cup. How do I know? You can trust me on it, or you could read further. You could read the parallel accounts. It's a fourth cup. I suggest you not trust me, but you examine the scriptures like a good Berean. It says, he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves, for I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So through the long Passover Seder, all the way to the end, the fourth cup, the halal is sung, the food is eaten, it is all done, he passes the fourth cup, says, we're not doing this again. Now, you should be going, say, what? So what should you be doing? Say, what? <laughs> all right, see, last week it was, he is, risen. he is risen, and this week it's, say, what? So next week, who knows what we're going to have, we'll put them together, say, what? He's risen. Oh, we got to get you guys going here. So the Lord says, we're not going to do this anymore. Well, what just happened back in time, 1,300 years from here? Do you remember a guy named Abram? Goes like this, Adam and Eve in the garden, they sin. Sound like an auctioneer we will slow it down a little bit. They go out of the garden. The world starts to populate a whole bunch of stuff. You get a flood going on with Noah. Got the Tower of Babel going on. The Lord says to Abram, go from your country to a land that I will show you, and I'll make of you a great nation. You guys know about that guy Abram? Abram begot who? Isaac. Abram begot who? We need coffee break. Abram begot Isaac. Isaac begot? Jacob had a whole bunch of kids, a whole bunch of boys. He had a little boy named Joseph. And Joseph and his brothers, they didn't get along so well. See, his brothers wanted him dead, but he had one really nice brother. He said, guys, we can't kill our very own brother. Let's just sell him into slavery. So they did. And they sold him into slavery, and he ended up in the house of a man named Potiphar. And Potiphar really liked Joseph because everything Joseph's hand touched, the Lord blessed. It was wonderful. And Potiphar's wife, she really liked Joseph too, just not in the right way. And see, Joseph didn't reciprocate how she wanted to reciprocate, so Joseph got sent to prison. He was there for just a little bit. You have any idea how long he was there? Long, long time—years and years and years. And while he's in prison, there were some dreamers in the prison. Actually, there was a cup baker and a, a baker and a wine steward. They had some dreams, and one of them had his dream interpreted by Joseph, and he said, "You're going to lose your head," and he did. The other had his dream interpreted by Joseph, and Joseph said, "You're going to be restored to your position," and he was. And he says, Joseph says, "Don't forget me." So he didn't forget him. Well, after a couple of years, he remembered it. And he remembered him when Pharaoh had a dream. Watch how I get up to this. You'll be amazed. So Pharaoh had a dream, and he had a crazy dream about corning and cows. And he said, who knows what this means? And the guy said, oh, my gosh, I forgot about a guy named Joseph. So he brings him out. Joseph interprets the dream. He becomes a prime minister of Egypt, and he takes the people through the famine. Praise God. And the culmination of Joseph's life, I think, is Exodus 50, verse 20. And he says to his brothers, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. You say, Pastor, where are you going with this? I hope I know. You see, in Exodus 1, 8, there was another pharaoh, and the other pharaoh didn't remember Joseph and he subject the Jews to slavery like whoo he's getting there yes sir we're landing this plane and he subject them to slavery for over 400 years of hard hard work and the people cried out to God and God heard their cry and he sent Moses to go and say to Pharaoh let my people go and they had nine plagues interestingly do you know that God knew that those plagues wouldn't result in the people going but each of those plagues addressed to Egyptian deity. Did you know that? What God is saying is in first plague. You see that little god of your squash? He's not real. Plague number two. You see that little god of your squash? He's not real. All the way up through nine, and then we get to the Smith and Brown plague, plague number ten, the death of the firstborn. You guys realize what I've just done? There is taken you from Genesis thirty something all the way to Exodus one. You see how fast you can make it through the Bible? No. We flew by so fast. You missed so much stuff. I did no justice to scripture. Don't you dare assume that you got a biblical exposition there. But in Exodus 12, verse 5 and 7, the Lord says to the Jews, the angel of death is coming by, and this is how you'll be spared. You slaughter a lamb without blemish and paint it on the doorpost and the lintels." So let me ask you a question. The plane has landed. We're out of the plane. We're way back in Egypt, about 1,300 years before our text. How were the Jews spared from the wrath of God? Because they were Jewish, amen? Because they were obedient, respectful, God-loving people, right? Because they stayed in their house. How were they spared? Magic blood. Lambs have magic blood, right? They don't? What was it about the blood of the lamb? It was God's gracious merciful provision. Now, if this happened today, you know so many people who go to church would be dead. I don't need to paint the blood of the Lamb. I mean, what is the blood of the Lamb going to do? It doesn't do anything. I'm not painting it. I might not even stay home tonight. And God can do what He wants to do. It would not go well, would it? But wouldn't we kind of do that, don't you think? Perhaps we kind of take God a little too lightly. But those who stayed in the house, they were spared by the blood of of the Lamb. And those who were not covered by the blood around midnight, the text tells us there was howling and crying and weeping and gnashing of teeth throughout the land. you know why? Because God did exactly what he said he would do. He spared those under the blood and he destroyed the firstborn of those who were not under the blood. Do you know if you're a Jew and you don't paint the blood, you'll lose your firstborn? there? Did you know that? You say, well, what about if you're an Egyptian and you paint the blood? Well, what saved the firstborn? The gracious provision of God. It's the blood. It's not the nationality. It's not staying inside. It's not obedience to the law. It's the blood of the Lamb. And for 1,300 years, with a couple little hiccups throughout Scripture, God's people celebrated the Passover. What were they celebrating? On the 14th of Nisan each year, they celebrated that by the strong hand of God and through his gracious provision, they were spared from the wrath of God and delivered from slavery and captivity in Egypt. But that's not the fullness, my friends, of what they celebrated, because they also celebrated that one day God would take not the blood of a lamb to atone for the sins of the world. Hebrews tells us, Jeff, you took them through Hebrews, right? By the shedding of blood, only through the shedding of blood. Is forgiveness of sins, right? But it's not the blood of the animals that does it. It points forward to the Lamb of God. Now, my friends, watch this. The Lord Jesus is sitting in the upper room with his disciples. You ever read John 1? Jesus shows up. John's baptizing. Jesus shows up. John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God, come to take away the sins of the world. Put yourself at this table for a moment. The Passover meal, distributed by the Lamb of God? Now, how do these dudes not get this? Hmm. We'll get to that in a moment. But Jesus, the Lamb of God, who has celebrated Passover every year of his life in perfect obedience to God up to this point, says, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you. You know why? Less than 24 hours. Jesus would be dead. Now you come back next week, we're going to rejoice in the fact that he was dead, but he didn't stay dead, because today we know that he is risen. <laughs> He's sitting with them. He has the Passover, and he says to them, I, For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Marvelous, marvelous sins. Ezekiel forty to forty eight, Revelation twenty. Write that down and read them later. Okay? Ezekiel forty to chapter forty to chapter forty eight, Revelation twenty. The Lord is speaking of a future Passover, if you will, when it will not be for the Jews, but it will be for people of every tribe and tongue and nation, eating at the table, supping with the Lamb of God. And until that time he will not partake of this Passover meal again. So look what he does. What does he take from the meal? Does he distribute the lamb? What does he distribute? Bread and the wine. That's it. He took away the main course, did he? What was the main course? The lamb. You know why he didn't pass out the lamb? I am the lamb of God is what he's telling these people. He gives them the bread and he says, he took the bread, given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them. He broke it to distribute it. He didn't break it because his body was broken, John 19. He broke it to distribute it, he says, This is my body which is given for you. Side note that ain't Jesus' body. Consubstantiation, transubstantiation, you can look those up on Google if you like. This is a remembrance. Jesus says, I'm the vine. He's not a plant, right? I'm living water. He doesn't slop on the floor. This is his body that we're going to be doing in remembrance of him. Then he says, took the cup. Sorry, my eyes aren't focusing so good. There we go. Took the cup after they had eaten, saying, the cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. What is he saying? My body and my blood. I live the perfect life for you that you couldn't live. My blood will be poured out for forgiveness of sin and do this in remembrance of me. Who here is good at remembering? Right? Who here, we did, uh, how many years ago? We talked about this yesterday. Route 119, scripture memory uh, program. You know what it's called, Route 119? Anyone remember? With my whole heart I seek you, let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Who here is really good at scripture memory? It's hard to remember. See, I beat my kids over the head with it at home. So see how happy they are? Like, woo God calls us to store up his word, to meditate on his word. But you know what we don't do well? Remember. Do you know what happened? If, if you look at Deuteronomy 6, the Lord calls the people to remember because if you read through scripture and you read through well, if you just keep going in exodus so they the passover they go through the red sea the song of moses three days in the wilderness you know what the jews did they forgot they grumbled keep going forgot grumble forgot grumble forgot grumble you know what books come after the pentateuch joshua forgetful people judges forgetful people samuel kings chronicles forgetful people prophets Forgetful people. All throughout scripture, God's people forget. We forget. So Jesus says, do this so that you can go to heaven, right? Do this so I don't kill you, right? Do this to prove you're a Christian, right? Do this in remembrance of me. He doesn't want us to forget because we so easily forget. Quran gave us a great reminder of the reality of who God is and the joy that comes in that but we freak out, don't we? Do you know why we freak out? We forget. We, we sin. You know why we sin? We forget the goodness of God. We forget to trust in God. And we live in a world where we're so busy and our minds are going crazy and the TV and the, the land of beeps. Beep, beep, beep. Phone, beep. Watch, beep. Stove, beep. Oven, ah! We can't think. Well, sometimes we need to stop the beep and remember the Lamb of God. Jesus says, "Do this in remembrance of me." You guys remember my pa Davy? Anybody here remember my pa Davy? I love him. He's dead for quite a while now. Anybody remember my pa Davy? Yeah. You know why? You don't know. You never knew him. Nobody knew my pa Davy here but me. And my wife knew about him. But in order to remember my Pa Davy, do you know what you have to know first? You have to know my Pa Davy. Watch this. In order to do something in remembrance of Jesus, what do you have to do first? You have to know him. He calls us to remember him, and the implication is that first we knew him. Now here's an uncomfortable reality of the Lord's Supper. The church is an open place. It's a, it is, this is the most tolerant inclusive environment you should find on the face of the earth anyone is welcome to gather alongside the church of god anyone but there are certain things about the church that not anyone can be a part of the lord's supper is for those who know christ because we do this in remembrance of him Now, you get into an uncomfortable situation, and I've seen this for many, many years as a Christian, and I did this for many, many years as a non-Christian getting dragged to to church on Christmas and Easter. Maybe we should do this next week again. You see, everybody comes forward to take communion, everybody, and then you get the the guy like me. See, I'm a little bit bit prideful at times, so I'd sit in my pew like, yeah, y'all, look at me. You wimpy, weak Christians, you all got to go eat your body and blood because you're afraid and can't face reality. But inside the reality, it's it's uncomfortable. If everybody goes forward and you're sitting in your seat all by yourself, you feel like they're all looking at you. Well, listen to me. If there is a Christian person in here, which I hope there are more than two, if there is, they do not look at someone sitting in a pew who doesn't take communion in a condescending way. Because if they do, they might want to check themselves and see if they're truly saved. But what i want you to understand is i would rather you feel excluded and uncomfortable by not being able to partake in this than on the day of the great wedding feast when you try to come in and the lord himself says "Whoop, stop you say what he says away from me i never knew you you see i'd rather as a church we ruffle your feathers and make you uncomfortable now so the holy spirit could work and give you desire to be included and give you a desire to know christ so that one day down the road, you don't find out you never knew him. So if there's any here who's gathered today who does not yet know Christ, listen to this. The Jews were spared from the angel of death by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? People today are spared from the wrath of God by the blood of Christ, who came to take away the sin of the world. And what happened to the firstborn of all who were not under the blood of the Lamb? They died. And what will happen to all who are not under the blood of Christ? they will perish. That's horrible news. But, God has a beautiful but, but, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. God wants all to partake in this meal. He has made it open for all who will turn and trust. That is what this is. As Christians, we celebrate in remembrance but for the lost, you must only observe until you turn your life over to Christ. And then you can come and partake in remembrance. Because just like you can't remember my pa Davy unless you knew him, you can't remember Christ. And if you come, listen, if you come as a non-Christian to partake of the Lord's Supper, do you know what you're doing? You're spitting in Jesus' face. You're mocking the Lord. Don't mock him. Turn to him. Trust in him and be saved because he loves you. Now, for the Christians who are gathered, what is it that we're actually supposed to remember? Well, there's a lot. Let me share a couple thoughts with you. Remember our Lord with gratitude of heart because he saved us. Chew on that. Why did Jesus lay down his life Because he chose to. That's mind-boggling. How about we remember who he is? The Passover lamb. For 1,300 years, they celebrated Passover. They celebrated the Seder. It always pointed to Christ. And at the right time, God sent the lamb. And when he ate this meal, in a mere few hours, he would be slaughtered as the lambs were slaughtered. He hung on the cross as the necks of the lambs we cut. How about we remember how the Lord lives so we might follow his example? Not to be saved, but because we are saved. We are to be Christ-like. How about we remember who he is with confidence so we can rest in him secure? Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do you understand who we are in Christ and what it is that we are to remember because we so easily forget? How about we remember the Lord is the one who represents us before God, so the accuser goes to God, and he tries to slander us and accuse us, and Jesus says, oh, no, 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 no. Those are mine. He advocates at the right hand of the Father He has sent us the paraclete. How about we remember him, listen to this one, soon to come. Do you know that the Lamb of God will return? You see, we live in a time of present grace where all who turn to him will be saved. Now listen, I pointed you to Ezekiel 40 and 48 and Revelation 20, and I'm no fool. I know that you're saying, what the heck is that about? Listen, I ought to read it too. The Lord will return, but the Lord has given us a time of grace when all who will turn to him can be saved. Now, how are they going to know about Jesus? How, how are they going to believe in Jesus? Well, they've got to hear. How are they going to hear about Jesus unless someone tells them? And who's going to tell them unless people are sent? Do you know that's our job? So as we partake, it's not just thinking about what Jesus did for us but what he did for all those who he is calling home because there are still lost sheep. There is so much that we can remember, but perhaps most importantly of all. Smith and Brown, you ready for the end? Smith and Brown. Smith is freaking out this is going to be scary the the, the angel of death is coming what if it goes down what if it rains what if the blood washes away what what if he doesn't see my painting job i only got one boy what if my boy does i can't sleep i can't sleep i can't sleep i can't all night long brown honey get to bed it's bedtime (laughs) about midnight the angel of death One guy is strong in his faith. This isn't prideful or boastful. This is trust in the living God. This guy is a wuss. I mean, this guy is knee-knocking, crying. He's got ulcers. He just, I know who God is, but I can't sleep. Well, the next morning, Smith and Brown meet up in the street. I'm confused with who's who. Let's say Smith is a confident one. I probably changed that five times. Brown's a confident one. Brown says to Smith, Hey, dude, how'd you sleep? He says, he says What's wrong with you? My son lived. He says, I know your son lived. The Lord said if you paint the blood, he'll live. Whose son lived? Both sons lived. Why? Watch this. It's not the strength of your faith that saves you. It's the strength of the object of your faith. And here's what we must remember most of all. The Lord Jesus is strong and powerful and able to do what he says he will do. And all who turn to him will be saved. As we partake, let us remember the Lord Jesus died. The Lord Jesus is risen. And until he comes again, we do this in remembrance of him, his body. He lived the perfect life we couldn't. He died the death we deserved, And by the shedding of his blood, which means by his death, we are forgiven. The wrath of God was poured upon him and his righteousness was imputed to us. And the Lord rose him from the dead and put his stamp of approval. And he said, yes, indeed, to Tetelestai, it is finished. 3,300 years, the angel of death passed through the land of Egypt. The Jews were spared of the wrath of God and brought out of slavery. A forward-pointing event to 2,000 years ago and change when people all over the world were saved by God, from God, and to God by the death of his Son. And as we partake of the Lord's Supper and next Sunday as we celebrate the risen Christ, let us remember that it is the object of our faith that saves us and in him we rest secure. Now, I'm going to close us in prayer. I'm going to invite you to come forward and to take the elements. We'll have several minutes of quiet, contemplative, meditative prayer to reflect and to remember. Then we will have a song to help us remember the reality of who Christ is. Then I will close us with a benediction. Hopefully all Hopefully some will stay for Sunday school. But between the time we leave today and when we gather again next Sunday to celebrate our risen Lord, I encourage you to spend some serious time in remembrance and reflection upon the fact that, my friends, we do not worship a dead guy. We worship a Savior who is risen. And I encourage you to go out and to invite a friend or family member who does not yet know the Lord, and I'll tell you why, because the word of God will be preached and the Holy Spirit works through that, but in particular, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15. And we're going to rejoice in the fact that Christ is really risen and that his table is open for all who would believe, and if he doesn't come before next Sunday, there's still time for people to come to faith so let us remember our lord let us remember his strength let us remember that it is in his work that we are saved and let us remember to be about the work joyfully that he calls us to because jesus didn't just die for you he died for all who would believe so that he might bring glory to the father let us pray father god as we partake of the lord's supper We trivialize it so, and we pray your forgiveness. Lord, this is an incredibly wonderful and serious meal to partake in. The fact that you love us so, but the cost at which you show your love to us. The death of your son, so that we might have eternal life. And yet, Lord, we leave here so often and so easily forget you. See, we got things to do. We got shows to watch. We got places to go. We got lives to live. And we never seem to stop and remember in whose hands our lives are held. Lord God, forgive us. Lord God, strengthen us. Lord God, empower us so that we might be pleasing to you. We forget like our forefathers. Help us remember like our Savior, who remembered the work with joy set before him, who did your will and joy, and made a way so that we could do the same, not to be saved, but because we are saved by his blood. Lord, as we approach Easter, the most incredible celebration we as Christians have, the celebration of the fact that the Lord Jesus is risen, Lord, I pray that we would approach this day with humility and joy, not like the people of the world, hiding eggs and getting baskets and getting dressed up so pretty, though we can do that if we like, but unlike them, Lord Jesus, We can remember you because we knew you, and we know you because you first knew us. So, Lord, we pray you would quiet our minds, that you would strengthen our faith, that you would help us live with boldness and confidence while being able to rejoice that it is not in our boldness and confidence that our faith rests secure. Lord, we thank you that you invite us to your table. We stand in awe of the fact that you are who you say you are. And we pray that you would empower us to live the lives you call us to and equip us to by your power and in your name. Lord Jesus, we pray all of these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. I invite you to come forward. We'll come down the center and back down the outer aisles.